Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hi there and welcome to Exploring Possibility. This is episode number 18. If you're a new listener, this is a warm welcome, especially to you guys that are listening for the first time. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't hit that subscribe button yet so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And then to all my other listeners, my regular listeners, guys, welcome back. In this episode, it's going to be quite cool. We're going to interview a guy by the name of David Flood. If you haven't heard about David yet, you're missing out because he's on all the Gold Cost videos. If you don't know who Gold Cost is, it's about time you just put in Gold Cost into your Google search bar and try searching who they are and seeing what they put out into the world. They just sort of like combine inspirational people and videos and put like audio onto it and then just put the titles onto that and then put that back out into the world as an inspirational way to keep pushing people and humanity forward and showing them that there are amazing stories out there and amazing people out there doing amazing things. So having said that and having to know who David is, he was basically chosen or featured uh, in one of their videos. He was basically chosen and then um, they used his content on one of their videos and that what he, that is how I got to see David for the first time. Um, David is basically a youth motivational speaker and has spoken in 36 states in the US and also in Canada to over 350,000 students, basically inspiring them to look at people and things in a different way. And you can imagine now me approaching him, I was so intrigued by what he does because what he is doing is what I want to do with this podcast is help you, the listener, and all those that you touch. I want to help you guys see life in a different way, in a way that empowers you, in a way that moves you forward. So back to David. David, through his uh, Facebook videos created by Goldcast, have received over 80 million views. That is staggering, staggeringly high. He speaks with passion and conviction. And through his humility, he just leaves all these audiences with so much to think about in their formative years as they move into their future. Now, although he speaks to youth, to the youth, he spoke to me as well. He speaks to anyone who's willing to listen and who sees value in his message. Now, although that's his sort of like his niche, I'm sure that we can all relate with what he says and also be inspired and impacted and empowered by what he has, has to say. So throughout this episode, we spoke about connecting with people and why we are losing that connection. We also spoke into things like autism because his he's, he's, uh, oldest child has autism. And I just wanted to find out what he learned from you know, people with special needs as you know, how we can learn from those types of people. And then we also spoke about deep, deep, deep meaning of, of how we look at people and how we can change that to, to something that's more empowering. And then obviously at the end, we spoke about things that we can actually do to create more connection in our own lives. 
and others as well, obviously. Now, as we go throughout this episode, I want you to listen out and think about how you are viewing people in the world. How are you seeing them? Are you seeing your, are you seeing yourself in them? Are you treating people with compassion and you know um, unconditional love? Are you approaching people with that sort of like vibe and that intention? Just keep that in mind as you listen throughout this episode and see what you can learn as we just touch on some of those points and some interesting things about connection. And I'm sure you're going to get a lot of value from this. And then guys, before we jump in, there is a Facebook, a free Facebook community, which you can join for more interaction and where we will dive into these topics a little bit deeper. It will be asked questions. It's where we recommend topics and also guests. And just to sum it all up, it's a platform for us to collaborate and support one another to, towards becoming this high version of ourselves and also becoming, you know, people with a growth mindset, possibilitarians. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hi there, David, and welcome to Exploring Possibility. I am super, super, super excited to finally have you on the show and just discuss some impactful topics today. Good day, Chris. Thank you for having me on. Awesome stuff. So yeah, needless to say, I absolutely love your message and your movement, but people obviously don't know what we're talking about now. So let's, before we start, let's just jump into who you are. Who is David Flood? Sure. So uh, uh, the father of two uh, and the, uh, the husband <laughs> of one, um, uh, two children and a, and, a, and a beautiful wife. My wife is from the Philippines, um, closer to you in South Africa than she is in the United States. Um, but, uh, and, and then I have two children, uh, an 18-year-old daughter and a 21-year-old son. Um, and what I do, the way that you discovered me, Chris, the way that we connected is um, I have a son with autism, Justin. He's high-functioning. But I go out uh, for the past uh, nine or 10 years, I've been speaking in middle schools and high schools uh, across the United States and Canada um, on dignity, respect, and compassion. Uh, I did it for part-time for about four and a half years, and I've been doing it full-time now for about four and a half, almost five years. So that's my, that's, there's more to who I am, but you know, in, in, in three minutes, that's, that's who I am. Yeah, I was just about to say, for those listening, David is very like modest now, <laughs> but his speeches and his talks are super inspiring. Uh, we're going to chat about that a little bit later, but regarding your, your current movement and the message that you're carrying every single time that you do a talk, where did that start? Like, what is the why behind what you do? I'm always curious to find out why is it that people are doing what they do? Well, I, you know, I grew up, Chris, in, in a... In, uh, a dysfunctional home. And so, I mean, that, that's a deeper background if we get into that. But, you know, about 25 years ago, I was involved in, in multi-level marketing and, and had the opportunity to listen to a lot of um, uh, speakers, uh, you know, Jim Rowan, Bill Bailey, mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer, who's really my mentor from afar. Um, he didn't mentor me directly, but, you know, through listening to his programs and meeting him several times. Um, so that was the, that got me that gave me the idea 25 or 30 years ago that I wanted to be a speaker. But I, I, like all people, put things on hold for a long time. And then about 10 years ago, uh, a, a woman started a nonprofit uh, called Kids Plus for children who, with special needs with autism. And she was going out recruiting students to be in middle schools, which is in, in the States, that's sixth, seventh, eighth grade generally, to be volunteers for her program. And she asked me, David, would you like to come out and talk about what it's like to be the father of a special needs child to give the kids the, um, 
uh, the emotional component and, and have them react to that. And I did, and and I fell in love with it, Chris. And uh, you know, I spoke for the first time in you know uh, 2011, whatever it was, 10, and then you know just fell in love with it, and then decided I wanted to do it. So I did it part time for three or four years, quit my full time job, and you know I've been doing it full time. Been doing it full time for the past four years. Um, and my son was the motivation behind. My son Justin, he was never bullied, but he certainly wasn't included in things. Um, so he was the, uh, the, 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 I don't know, the engine, uh, or the idea behind me going out and, and communicating with kids and adults. Awesome. So let's, let's jump onto that. So I'm going to start with your childhood and, uh, sure. you mentioned that you had a dysfunctional family. Do you think that all sort of brought you to this journey that you're on now? Let's say that did not happen. Would you? Without a then, doubt, Chris. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's funny that, that I, and I brought that up and I, you know, knew we might be talking about it, but I was speaking right. to my wife just this morning at breakfast and well, actually not breakfast. We were just having coffee together before she went to work. But, um, uh, I was telling her about, um, the house I grew up in was dysfunctional and that I was hidden from and protected from a lot of the, um, emotional, mental, physical violence that went on. And, I have a huge problem, Chris, even to this day, and I know through going to therapy, with conflict. So I'm very uncomfortable. You know, if, if you were even fighting with your neighbor and you told me about it, that would make my insides, my stomach churn a little bit. So I'm uncomfortable with conflict. Mm. So I like to bring people together. And then, yes, that coupled with, I see kids now, high suicide rate in the United States, New Zealand, wherever around the world. When I was growing up, Chris, and I'm, I'm somewhat older than you, I'm guessing by looking at you, um, when I was growing up, kids in middle school did not commit suicide. No, there weren't 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, even high school kids were not committing suicide when I was younger, um, and there are now. And that means the kids are in pain and they need help. And certainly we don't have to walk the pain through for them, but it doesn't mean we can't go through it with them. So all of those things combined, yes, to answer your question, led me to where I am today. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we we also we also seeing uh, numbers rise in terms of suicides in South Africa, and I've been reading articles and stuff that are saying that the numbers are rising globally. So it is quite an epidemic, and people yeah. like you are intervening, which is amazing. And also, I'm totally behind you with your your entire mission for that because we we definitely need it. And um, so yeah, like according to like you doing all your visits to the schools and stuff, you say that the biggest thing that we lack is connection. And I just want to know, like, what is your thought behind that? Like, why are we losing connection? Because I'm sure it's not just in schools. It's actually globally. It's, it's an adult thing as well. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. So for those that can't see, are just listening. It's David's holding up his cell phone. Yeah. Um, so a woman named, uh, uh, there's a great book, uh, which I recommend. I, I hope it's available in South Africa. It's called I-Gen, I-G-E-N, by a, a PhD out of San Diego, California, named Jen Twenge. Um, And she puts in, um, she, now she doesn't call them millennials, Chris. She calls them I-Geners. These are children born from 1998 till now, this generation mm. from 20, this 20-year generation. Anyway, um, they're... The, the uh, drug abuse, sexual promiscuity, alcohol abuse, and smoking in that generation is all down, but suicide, stress, anxiety, and depression are all up. And she's got 125 charts and graphs in her book that link it all to social media and cell phones. 
less face-to-face time. Kids read less print media now, and they have less face-to-face and family interaction time, which is uh, which has destroyed them. Their coping skills. You know, there's a there's a. I could tell you hundreds of stories, but I'll just tell you one. Uh, about a year ago, there's a boy in a local school district near us. He's 18 years old. I'm headed for an Ivy League school, high-performing kid, uh, advanced placement classes in high school, very high-performing, stepped in front of a train after his girlfriend broke up with him and killed and died and because he had no coping skills. So that's, so, so the phone has taken away our, our, our face-to-face interaction and our social interaction because as humans – we have an innate desire to connect with something. People will connect with drugs, sex, um, uh, self-harm, stealing, buying, becoming an overachiever, as opposed to, because it's, it's easier to connect with those things, Chris, than it is to connect with a person, because it takes a little bit more work to connect with a person. Um, and it can be scary to connect with people. When I go into schools, you would not believe, well, you, maybe you would. Kids, in, in, in my experience, in the 500 schools that I'm in, they don't even know how to shake hands anymore or make eye contact. And I know eye contact can be the intense thing. It's, there's, there's cultural norms that go with eye contact. I get it. There's uh, social norms with kids who have special needs who can't make eye contact. I get it. But, but at least make some eye contact with me. And, and I know there's cultural norms with shaking hands and touching. And I get that. But at least acknowledge me. You know, so, so all of those things combined have debilitated kids ability to make connections really deep connections with people i get you uh that definitely makes so much sense it actually takes me back to my i i i said this in a previous episode also because we were talking about relationships but this also takes me back to my sort of heartbreak in high school is i also got to the point where i wanted to physically harm myself and now you saying this it makes sense that at the time I couldn't cope, so I didn't. I, and looking back, I didn't have the skills. Nobody right. teaches you the skills how to cope, how to deal with it, how to speak to someone about it, and how to connect. And also, just looking back, I can also see why. And I'm also very open and, and vulnerable about this. Is why I went into uh, alcohol abuse at, at like a high level. And uh, so, what you're saying now totally makes sense. And I think for people listening, it's, it's, it's good that you just take a step back and see whether those around you are suffering from this. Is there any right. tips that you could possibly give someone that they could look out for, like signs or anything that people might be sitting alone or, or you know, being alone? Or, sure. Yeah. So I always tell people, Chris, that, you know, to have your radar turned on high. So your David radar, mm-hmm. your Chris radar, your Mary radar, whatever it might be. Because we know we have consciences and if we're really aware, and I'm not saying you have to be aware 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, but you know, Chris, and you know, when someone walks past you in the hallway, in a supermarket, in a library, on the street, you can kind of get a sense about them if they're down. Certainly in a school, you can, in a closed atmosphere, maybe not out on the street, but never be afraid to reach out and ask someone if they're okay. It's not gonna, you're not going to hurt them by doing it. You're certainly not. And the worst thing that can happen is they say, no, I'm fine. At least you reached out. But maybe one out of five or 10 or 15 or 20 times, someone's can say, someone may say to you, wow, did, you could tell something was wrong with me or no, I'm not okay. And I had to send a video to a school a few weeks ago where a student, I was there. 
uh, six or eight months ago when a kid wrote to me on Instagram. He said, Mr. Flood, a kid committed suicide um, in our school. Can you send a video to the school? And I said, sure, let me check with the principal. And I did. And the one main theme that I said on this video, Chris, was I said to them, listen, uh, you know, Mr. Flood, are you telling me that me being nice to someone can save their life? And I, and I said, no, but I also can't tell you that it won't save their life. So why not err on the side of, of being kind? So that's one is don't be afraid to reach out to people. And two is if you're a person who's suffering, you got to connect with people and sharing what I learned in recovery, Chris, sharing your problems with someone cuts them in half. You're not dumping them on someone. You're leaving them with someone and they're not going to pick them up and carry them, right? They're going to, they're going to forget about them. But when you share a problem with someone, you cut it in half. And it's so important for kids to be connected with not one, but two adults in their school um, that they, two trusted adults that they can go to. That is amazing advice because I know that's, that's something I needed when I was younger is to, at least to just share whatever's happening, like share, right. take it off your heart and make it right. a little bit lighter. Yes. So you said, Justin, your son has autism. And um, I just want to know, like, what is your relationship with him and your experience with him? And what can we learn from that? Like, what can we extract from that? Um, it, what I, he teaches me way more than I've taught him. Mm. Um, he's in my life. You know, God put him in my life, Chris, for, for so many more. You know, I know that, that God put me in his life, too. But, you know, we, we were put together. <laughs> but he's taught me so many things about myself. And every, every time I say to um, every child I meet, and I've met thousands of them, who have a sibling, especially a sibling with autism or a cousin or family friend, but I say they are a gift to you because they teach you things that you could never learn in a book, in a, on a track, at a sports meet, in a, in a, in a stadium, um, in, in, in a class. In you know, they're teaching you things about yourself. And I say to every child that has a sibling with autism, I say to them, you are a better person because they're in your life. You're not better than anyone else, but you're a better version of yourself. And I like to think I'm a better version of myself uh, because Justin's been in my life. He's taught me patience, kindness, compassion, understanding, all of those things. And obviously, I needed those lessons, Chris. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been in my life. But he's taught me so many things about myself. And I'm, what I'm starting to learn now is I thought for the first 18 or 19 years of his life that he was nothing like me. Now I'm learning he's exactly like me, exactly, <laughs> with his disability, but he's exactly like me. Our kids are just like us. We just don't see it. I was about to say, like, you tend to see in others that exist within you. So you tend to see those traits that <laughs> actually are already within you. And you speaking about Justin reminds me of my own cousin. I also have a cousin that's mentally a little bit slower, and uh, she if I think about her, the, the thoughts that come up is she's, she's, uh, she's pushing out unconditional love and she is pushing out so much joy. She, she's the oldest and she looks the youngest. Right. <laughs> so that just shows right. you there's no much stress. She, she's, she's joyful. She's out there. She's happy. She's, she's unapologetic. She's just, she's, it's beautiful to see. And I think right. sometimes we, we struggle as human beings to actually just have that perspective. What is your thoughts around that? Um, you might have a cousin, you might have someone that has special needs, or you might have someone that's totally different to you, but if you don't have the perspective on, on that, then you might not even see it. Yeah, I, I, I have this feeling that, and I, I should probably get deeper into this conversation with someone who's a, uh, um, you know, a, a, like a, a spiritual expert, because I'm not, or a theologian <laughs> or whatever, but I have this theory, Chris, that, and I can't really back it up with anything, 
that God has sprinkled special needs people around the planet to teach us to slow down and have more gratitude and be appreciative of. And the reason that we're starting to see more people with special needs in the United States that autism is up is because we're not getting the message. I don't know if that makes sense or that sounds weird. But I think that that we're not getting the message and and now you know whatever chemicals and I don't know what the what the reason that we're that the that the uh, the incidences of special needs is higher, but I think that that's that that's it. They're here for a reason. Everybody has been put you know has incarnated into this life for a reason. Um, and you know most of us spending. I think Mark Twain said the two most important parts, two most uh, two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why. Right. So you and I are still trying to figure out why. Maybe I'm a little closer to my why and you're closer to your why. But certainly those people who uh, who are dropped into our lives um, help us figure out why. So take the signs. That would be my message for your listeners. Take the signs. You know, when you meet someone who's got special needs, take the sign. Take the clue. Why is this person in my life? Maybe they were sent here to slow me down or to appreciate what I have or just to gain joy from their joy, from your cousin, right? Or to look at her like, holy cow, she's the oldest, but she acts and looks the youngest. Let's talk about that for a second. Like that's deep. You know, she's the oldest in in, in years, but mm-hmm. youngest in looks and, and character. So boy, wow, God's wisdom is amazing, right? Yeah, looking at that, what is it from that that we can learn? And I think what you said, and I, I'm going to have to say that I do agree. I do agree on the fact that anything, whether it's circumstances, events, people in this case, coming into your life, there's a reason. There's something you've got to learn from that person, from that event, from that circumstance. And in this case, from people, like you said, with all the special needs that are coming forward, it just makes sense to me as well, logically and spiritually. It makes sense that perhaps there's something that we need to start seeing. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's, it's similar to when you start getting sick, you know, you start getting this disease, it starts coming up and now you want to push it down with pills or whatever. And it's actually trying to show you something. And if you keep avoiding it or distracting yourself with other things like alcohol and smoking, whatever it might be, it's going to, it's going to keep showing up in other ways and it's going to become more intense. So I'd like to use that sort of example to what you just said. And it makes entirely sense it's just the body when your body is disease it's a message your body's trying to tell you and the number one message what i've been taught is slow down mm-hmm. you've got to slow down maybe you picked up the bug from someone else but maybe if you were your immune system was better because you'd done work on yourself years ago right so, so or, or in the past months or whatever you've taken care of yourself your immune system would be stronger to fight off that bug but definitely and and in no way shape or form are um uh, maybe our planet, not the people, but our planet is in dis-ease. The world is in dis-ease. Now, yes. that's not going to make the special needs people go away, but certainly it's a message to us to slow down. It's a spiritual message. It's not a physical message. Um, well, I'm 100% with you on that. So you also mentioned that you had Wayne Dyer as a mentor, but not like a like direct mentor, but you learned through his work. Do you find there's value in mentorship, and do you have any other mentors that you could like uh, share with us. Yeah. So, so if Wayne Dyer is one, Neil Donald Walsh would be one A. Love it. Um, right, yeah, we wrote, you know, I've written, I've written, I've read, I think, <laughs> 15 of Neil's books. I plan on spending a weekend with him in Oregon someday. Wow. But he's amazing, you know, conversations with God. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I, and I think, 
I think you could pick up any of those books anywhere and drop in that. But for, certainly the conversations with God, the first book is amazing. Um, and every book after that is amazing. But mentorship, yeah, Chris, is so important um, because people have done, you know, so much to lay the groundwork. And the thing that amazes me is I go into schools and say things Wayne Dyer had been saying for 30 and 40 years. And the kid, no idea right? The kids have never heard this. And even adult, maybe three adults, maybe one adult in the school has even heard of Wayne Dyer. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And I'm not stealing his ideas because he just copied things that he'd heard, you mm. know, from Lao Tzu and from the Bible and from Buddha yeah. and all the people that he listened to. But I read a great book and I have to pull it out because I have to pull it out for someone else. People love to hear um, new, old things in a new way. They're like, because it makes sense to them, because it's in because it's in their brain, it's in their soul already. It was implanted in them, you know, even before the Bible was written, you know, way, way back, you know, 3,000 years, Lao Tzu, or from the Bible or wherever. And when you say it in a new way, they're like, wow, that sounds familiar. And they latch on to that. So definitely mentorship is super important. Um, uh, you know, inspiration important. Inspiration is just like food, Chris. You don't live on what you ate two weeks ago. You live on what you ate in the past couple of days. You know, our body can survive without food for a long time, 40, mm -hmm. 50, 60 days, right? You're going to wither down. At some point, you got to put it back in. But people have forgotten that inspiration, they, they get by, you know, on just a little bit of inspiration, which isn't healthy, isn't healthy. Yeah, it's so just fascinating what you just said. I can't believe that people didn't know him. But then at the end of the day, look, looking back into my high school, day, high school days, I also didn't know who anyone was. Like, I didn't, I didn't know any of the, like, the thought leaders of, of today. Uh, so that's in a way it makes sense. But now once you get to that point and you know who everyone is, you like think to yourself, how can no one know about these people? Exactly. These messages? It's so strong and out there and vibrant and positive and impactful. You're like, oh, how do people not know about this? Right. <laughs> right. But you think that, and then you think, holy cow, they don't know this. I can really do this. Yeah. You know, Wayne Dyer said that the, the leaders were not going to come, Chris, from the politicians or the statesmen, they were going to be cab drivers and doctors and dancers and salesmen. And, you know, Ogmandito was a salesman. Cheryl um, Richardson, who, Cheryl uh, Richardson, a writer, but uh, uh, Marianne Williamson, who's running for president of the United States right now. I don't know where she's at. She was a writer. I don't know what she did before, hmm. right? But just Neil Donald Walsh was worked in a worked in radio advertising, I think. Wow, and yeah. there's a thought leader, you know, who's written 30 books. There's a thought leader. So, so the fact that David Flood can come from and never, who knows, never be that big, but that's okay. You know, if I affect a couple of people, change a couple of kids' lives, I've done a good job, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, so for anyone listening, definitely a good book to, uh, that we recommend is The Conversations with God series by Neil Donald Walsh. But I put that, I'll put all those links into the show notes of this episode. So uh, David, you also spoke about just now, just a, about reading books. So obviously you find value in learning, you find value in the knowledge that's there. And you recently, that I, I read something about you where I think you wrote this, but you are reading or read 52 books in 52 weeks. So just quickly take us through that. Like why are you reading so many books and what? do you find value in reading books and learning and all of that? I definitely do. Um, so my mom was a huge reader, Chris. She would read about a book a week. She, my mom read thousands of books mm. in her lifetime. Um, and you know, I was looking for a, I was looking for, let me preface this by saying, I'm going to be short this year. I'm going to come up in the mid to high forties, <laughs> but, 
but I, um, I, I, and I'm not, and I just wrote a, a, a post on a, to my mailing list saying, I'm not an end of year, um, New Year's resolution type person, but at the end of last year, I'd like to have a thought to, I had a thought that I'd like to challenge myself. Um, and what I've discovered was, which is a good thing, Chris, I've discovered that I was doing it just to read the books. And that sounds daunting, and it was, and not, and some of the books were 100 pages and some were 300 pages. Um, but I, what I've discovered was one, it's, it was a challenge, and two, I really need to re- read a book two to three times to re- and some more to really get something out of them. Um, so, although reading 52 books in 52 weeks, it was about the reading. Um, I really could have read 10 in the 52 weeks and gotten a lot more out of those 10 than, although that sounds like, Oh my God, you read a book a week. And I did almost, but, uh, to really get something out of a book, it's probably got to be read two to three times, depending on the book. Yeah. So yes, I, yes, knowledge is super important, but I always had to go back to it looking for quotes and things like that. And like studying a book, studying a book, studying a book. Yeah. I also, I also, value learning and books and stuff so much. And just something that comes up now is, is the message that you said earlier, you said that you are just repeating what others are saying and they are repeating what they heard and so forth and so forth. So at the end of the day, we're just reminding each other of who we really are. That's what it feels like. Yeah. So, and and then, and then you put your life into it too. Mm. Before we came on the air, um, you said you want to have experts on and, and I want to be very clear. The only thing I'm really an expert on, and I'm not even an expert on that, Chris, is my own life. Like, I can't talk about someone else's child with autism. I can talk about Justin. I can talk about my daughter. I can talk about my wife. I can talk about uh, uh, myself growing up in an alcoholic home. And what you take from that is great. So, so I never want to be labeled an expert. That's why Anthony Robbins says, you know, I don't want to be anybody's guru. And oh, Wayne really? Dyer used to say, I don't want to be anybody's guru, right? Mm-hmm. I'm nobody's guru, but I'll come out and tell you about my experience. And then if you want to take the ball and run with it or compare that or identify or relate that into your life, awesome. Then I've done a good thing for you. Um, but don't call me, you know, don't call me an expert. I'm sure Anthony Robbins never wanted to be called and, you know, never wants to be called an expert. Do we all have egos? Absolutely, we do. You know, Wayne Dyer even had an ego, right? He was, he's the rest, I think, the you know, last 10 years of his life, he was trying to get rid of it. Um, but certainly, it's, it's just about um, sharing my experience, you know, sharing my experience. Yeah, I think that's why I reach out to you is, is your, your message is just so powerful and it can beat any expert's ass on, <laughs> on connection and, and love and stuff. So that's why I have you here today. And um, that's going to take me to the next question, which is basically about... I'm going to jump into that video that I saw and I, I, I probably looked at it 10 times because wow. every single time, like yes, I just had this tear and it wants to come out and I'm like, hmm, hold it in. it's yeah. so deep and it's so powerful. You said, I think you, it's in the beginning where you say, when I look at you, I see me. And just that sentence, like I, I think people will, will just look over that. What, what do you, what is the message in that sentence? What do you want us to take from that? I want people to be, you know, I don't, I, I want people to be colorblind. I want people to, to appreciate, Chris, um, that we're all different. There's, you know, there's a, you know, whatever, 200, 198 countries, all these different nationalities. 
and, and, and different colors and religions and ethnicities and, and you know, people, you know, India, uh, people who live in the rainforest of South America and Muslims who live in the, in the Middle East and Muslims who live everywhere in the world or African-American people or who in South Africa, the, the tremendous divide. But that we're all alike. There's on a round planet, there's no choosing up sides, right? I appreciate, I, I admire your culture, your religion. I, I love diversity. But all we do is continue to separate ourselves. And some people do it in the guise of a good reason. Like, like they, you know, they, they want to continue to separate and separate and separate and separate where we should be talking about us being together. And I think human beings have a very difficult time making that distinction. So I want them to know that on the inside, we're all alike. There's blood running through us. We all need food, clothing, shelter, and love. Right you, to survive. That's I, I don't know what do we, and compassion. I, maybe there's a couple other things on the list. I don't know what they are. But let's start there and then move out from there to your black. I'm white. You're South African. I'm from the United States. That's just because where I was born. It doesn't like you know. I'm very <laughs> proud to be an American. Really, your parents were, you were born here. Like you had no control over that. <laughs> like God put you here, right? And Chris, right? And Chris is in South Africa. I'm pretty proud. And when people, the other thing I have a little. This might get me in, in trouble with some people in my country, but <laughs> I, I love America, right? And people say it's the greatest country in the world. Well, I mean, I guess you can make a case for that. But my wife's from the Philippines, right? And and I'm, there's some really beautiful people in Russia, and there's some really beautiful people in South Africa. And there's some really beautiful people in Iran and Afghanistan and Iraq and Puerto Rico and Cuba. And I have no problem with any of them, right? And it's just, I want you to see me. I see me in you. I see me in you. That is absolutely beautiful. I hear like what it tells me is that we need to go back to viewing the world and viewing others as toddlers. Because toddlers, they don't see color. They don't see you know, divide. They, they are colorblind. They, they don't judge. They just love unconditionally. They have joy. And it's like, we need to go back there with our current adult brains. We need to, and even, you know, high school brains, teenage brains, we need to go back and, and think like them. And that's right. in connection. Right. Sense. I, I, and, and I say, when I say colorblind, I, I had a thought I was running one time, Chris, and I asked God, I was praying and I said, can you make me colorblind? I want to come home and be able to tell my wife a story about a man or a woman that I met and not, ha- not have to describe their color, race, religion to give it context. Like, and, but now some people might say, and maybe I'm overanalyzing, Chris, well, that's a sign of um, you know, uh, immaturity or maturity, like, like it's okay to give context or, or you have to appreciate that someone's I don't know. Like, you know, can I just tell a story without saying I met this black guy or I met this woman and she was Muslim. Right. And like, I don't have to give it. I met this beautiful soul the other day. Like, I, like, and, and to make, um, and without, without my ego. So, my, so, so here's two different ways I describe, could describe my podcast, Chris, with you is I could go and be very humble and say I had a really nice podcast with this wonderful soul, this, this vibrant soul, this, this, this person, I don't even have to say man or woman, named Chris. And, and he was compassionate with me and asked me great questions. Now, if I want to boost my ego, I'll say I was on a podcast with this guy all the way over in South Africa 
right? To make me a little bit of a, more of a big deal, right? That makes it, but that's okay. I'm human. That's my ego. That's okay. I'm not trying to build myself up. That's not putting anybody else down, but I'd love to get to a place in my life, Chris, where I didn't have to describe someone else to give the context, to just talk about you as a soul, you as a spirit, you as a human being. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to, I'm constantly telling what comes to mind with me and what just came to mind is a sense of self-worth. And typically when you don't have that sense of self-worth or you're lacking something deep inside of you, you will do things to make up for it. And that sounds like something people might do on the outside, on the surface level. They would say things like that to just at least feel good for that moment when they speak to someone. Yes, absolutely. And I forgot our, our where we're going with our original question of how we look on, on the inside of people that you, that, you, that you are just like me. And I appreciate people's the diversity because it, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then, the, and then the issue of racism gets involved and people, I think, have forgotten what that word actually means, um, uh, that, that it's about power. Well, I mean, from the dictionary anyway, but it's just gotten expanded into the definition. Like everything has become racism. Everything, you know, no matter what you say about someone else's. So, you know, Gandhi, Gandhi was thrown off a train because he didn't have enough melanin in his skin, right? He wasn't dark enough to be on the train, right? And, and it, it just, it, it's, it's all about separation, 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 separation. And I'm just, I, I separation just, I understand it, but I don't, I don't get it. I'm going to bring us back to that just now so we can almost close with something there. But there's another thing I wanted to ask you, and it's, it's all, I think it's also something that I heard in your video, and it's, it's, it's going along the lines of your life is not about you. It's about all the people around you, right? right? So it's about those people you said that you can touch, the people that you can impact, and the people that you can influence. So it's all about that, those people and the people that you love. Um, and that is your source of life. So listening to that, what is the one thing that you're trying to tell us through that entire message? What Mother Teresa says, help one person at a time and start with the person nearest to you. You know, people have all these grandiose ideas and they're, well, not grandiose, but kids can raise money for kids in, in South, you know, South America, right? Or kids can give money to, to send it over to a, a poor kids in Africa and build a mission or build a school. But guess what? There's a kid right across the street from you, or there's a shut in a woman who's 85 years old, who's been a widow, a widow for 40 years and has lived alone. Start right there, you know, start right there. Um, and the message is that everybody can have an impact and, and it's not just about holding the door for someone. Yes, that's important, but you really can have an impact by just talking to someone, you know, the person Wayne Dyer used to talk about Chris, about the, 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 the maid, the housekeeping he used to come and clean his hotel room. He used to give them a hundred dollars, you know, just not all the time, but just like talk to the cab driver, talk to your Uber driver. Talk to, the, to the, talk to the guy who waits on you, the waiter. Ask them a question about themselves. That's the connection. That's what life is really about. And you never know who you, where you're finding someone, where you're going to impact someone. You never know. Definitely. So let's, let's now wrap it up with these three, what I call impact questions. And it typically uh, differs depending on the context. But 
three impact questions that are short. And so it's a short question. So I'm looking for a short answer if you can. Answer. You got it. <laughs> okay, so three questions. What is one small action we could take today after this discussion to create more connection? Number two, what is one thing we could stop doing that will encourage more connection? And number three, what is one character trait that we can embody to impact the lives of others positively? Sure. So one, th one thing would be is if you can't remember someone's name, remember something about them. Mm. You know, Dale Carnegie says the most important thing about uh, the most important word in the English language to any man or woman is their own name. But if you can't remember someone's name, remember something about them, anything, you know, their wife's name, their, where their children goes to school. Okay. So the second one is what, what is one thing that we can stop doing that will encourage more connection and impact? Listen more, talk less. That's, that, that's for me personally. Mm, no, that's <laughs> great to, advice. I need to listen more talk less, listen more, talk less. Great advice. And then third question, what is one character trait that we as human beings can embody today or try and embody at least to uh, impact the lives of others more positively? Unrelenting compassion, just compassion and empathy and realize that that person is just like you. Compassion, compassion, compassion. How can I help you? See yourself and those around you and ask, what can I do to make this moment better for you? And in so doing, make it better for both of us. That's Neil Donald Walsh. Compassion, compassion, compassion. Absolutely beautiful. I think if we can take these three tips and just try and use them, try and use these practical tips and action steps and execute on them. Literally, if, if every person in the world, I think, can do this now, you can shift this entire world in one go. So that, that's, that's just my view. But um, yeah, David, so where can people get hold of you if they want to listen to more about what you have to say? Perhaps you have, uh, I don't know, perhaps there's some content or they just want to reach out and thank you or whatever. <laughs> How can people get hold well, of you? So a couple of run videos running on Goalcast, David Flood, but uh, my website is davidjflood.com. Um, uh, Facebook is David J. Flood, Youth Motivational Speaker. If you want to follow me there, I put content there. I am part of uh, Chris Top Youth Speakers um, out of California. Top Youth Speakers. That's they book events for me. I speak in middle schools, high schools, colleges, and to adults all over the states. Um, uh, hoping to be in New Zealand and, and international soon, and, and in Canada. Um, and they can email me David at davidjflood.com if you'd like to shoot me an email. But feel free to follow. Um, and there are videos running um, on uh, on Facebook, without a doubt. Excellent. So for everyone listening, I'm going to pop all those links in the show notes of this episode, which you can find on iTunes or the website. And you can go and just get in touch with David, see what he's all about, listen to more of his videos and just engage with his amazing content. Maybe take a piece out of that and go implement in your own family, your own friend group, your own peer group, or just the people around you. And then David, closing question. So in the, in the, in the context of impact and connection, what is your advice to someone who's just given up on their belief in themselves? You know, I don't give a lot of advice, Chris, but I, lately in schools, I've been asking kids to, to look at themselves in the mirror um, and ask themselves this question. I'll kind of rephrase it, but just look yourself in the mirror, you know, and, and uh, Louise Hay, who owned a house publishing, was big on mirror work. Tell yourself that you love yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and saying, who am I? Am I the same person one-on-one -on -one that I am when I get around my friends? 
you know, acknowledge your gen, your genuineness, that you are a genuine individual, but look yourself in the mirror, you know, once, once a day, twice a day and tell you that you love you, you know, not in a, not in an arrogant or boastful or, you know, or, you know, self, you know, but self-love is so important that we look at ourselves in the mirror and acknowledge that, that we're important, you know, cause maybe we don't have anybody around us telling us that. So if, if people are, if any of your listeners are struggling, it's, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and tell you that you love you because you are the most important person in your, you know, when it comes to taking care of you. Awesome. I just want to add on to that. What David just said, even if you're not struggling, say that to yourself, regardless, say that to yourself every single day, because that you need it. And the more you feed that to yourself, the more you will be able to, to relay that onto others. So having said that, David, thank you so much for just helping people, as you just said, be more authentic and unique and just Thank you for creating connection and reminding the youth and adults that they need to connect, care, and love others unconditionally as they love themselves. And I just want to acknowledge you for your commitment and your dedication uh, towards inspiring the youth and adults along by helping them to just be more inclusive. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Chris. I really, really, I could talk to you for a long, long time. I hope (laughs) we'll continue our conversation, but thank you so much. I'm humbled that you'd have me on. Um, and, and hopefully I will be in South Africa one day soon. Thanks, David. Cheers. Guys, thank you so much. That's it for this episode. If you want to reach out to David, all the links on the show notes of this episode, meaning it's going to be in the website. On, it's going to be on the website for the episodes individually. And also you can find it in the show notes if you are listening on iTunes. So yeah, I hope that you find you found as much value in that as I did and they, that you were as inspired as I was and that you will be able to use something that David gave to your advantage and you'll be able to think you know, differently. Um, you'll be able to strengthen your mindset in a way that you can approach life or people in this case with more intention and, and create more connection through that. As always, put these things that you learn into practice to actually start making a difference in your own life. If you like this episode, then please get in touch via Instagram or the, our Facebook community or Facebook page or even email. Get in touch on info at exploringpossibility.co.za and let me know which part of the episode was your favorite. Let me know if there's anything that you want to know or if there's anything that we can improve to give you guys, the listeners, a different learning or better learning experience. So having said that, I'll see you guys in the next episode of Exploring Possibility and don't be afraid to go and explore and find the possibility. Cheers, guys. Cheers.